0: You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Luke chapter number one and verse number 13, the Bible says, but the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. I appreciate uh, that song Brother George sang, uh, Precious Memories. And Brother George, uh, his uh, sweet sweet mother is with the Lord. And uh, I thank the Lord for him singing that. And you may be here today and you say, you know, Pastor, I don't have those... Uh, those, those precious memories or I didn't have a praying mother or whatever it may be Can I tell you you can start having a Christian home and having a godly family today And uh, you could be a, a praying mama today. or You could be a praying daddy today And then for those that you do have those precious memories and uh, you know it, it brings tears of course to think that you're not experiencing those things still today I want to remind you, my brother Joel, he shared this with me, and I I hadn't quite heard it like this before, but uh, after our our dad uh, went to be with the Lord, uh, we were talking a lot about heaven, and I preached a whole series on heaven, and he did a whole series on heaven. My brother Joel, he made this statement. I've never forgotten it. I've shared it with many people at funerals. But for the Christian, for the child of God, the best memories are still to come. And I want to tell you, the things that you have and the memories that you have in the past, praise God for them. Hang on to them. But that's not all. The story is not over uh, because there is a land that is fairer than day. And by faith, we can see it afar. And by the way, when we get to heaven, you talk about some wonderful times. There's not going to be any sin. There's not going to be any sickness. There'll be no more disease. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more sorrow. And uh, what a day that will be. I'm so thankful to see uh, so many guests that are here and I thank the Lord for each of you. I was looking over here, Miss Deborah Jordan. Who do you have beside you there? I think I know, but is this Alexis? Alexis, I'm so glad to see you and your family. And uh, I hope you'll pray uh for this dear lady. She's on our prayer list. Uh, we've talked on the phone, never really uh met. I thought that's I thought that's who was over there, but uh this is the uh, dear mother who's a seven-month-old baby we've been praying for, and I hope you will. She's been in the hospital, her little baby, and I hope you continue to pray for her. Let's pray right now. We'll get right into the message. Lord, we love you. I pray it be a wonderful Mother's Day, and I pray that you would please give us what we need from the Word of God, from the Scripture. Uh, we know that the Bible has the answers to every question of life, and the Bible has the solution for every problem, and I pray that we would be helped today. I pray for all of the mothers that are here, I pray especially for this dear mother, Alexis. I pray that you touch her. I pray that you touch her precious baby. And I pray that you do a miracle in that situation. Lord, I pray for each and every person who's here with needs of, of sickness and those with hospital visits and those uh, with, uh, with great burdens and those with great heartaches. I pray that you'd minister to each and every person, meet every need, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to preach this morning a message to mothers, but it's a message for all of us today. You see, we find in this passage, we find the story of a mother by the name of Elizabeth. Now, here's what Jesus had to say about this mother. He said that there was not born a greater person of women than John the Baptist. Well, we know that Elizabeth was the mother of John the Baptist, and I'm, I'm not trying to, to, to say that this is, a, that this is a, a, a hard and fast rule and this cannot be debated and all that. I think we would agree probably the greatest mother was probably Mary, of course, the mother of Jesus. And I hope all of us here today would feel like that the greatest mother would be our mother. You know, that'd be a good thing to do. And we could probably argue a long time, well, my mother is the best because of this, and my mother this, and all that. But I want to show you what the Bible has to say about perhaps the world's greatest mother, Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. Jesus said there is not greater born of women than John the Baptist. The Bible says in Luke chapter 1, that there was a woman by the name of Elizabeth and her husband's name was Zacharias. Now, Zacharias was the priest. Notice with me in verse number 5, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. Well, who was Aaron? Aaron was the first priest. So here we have a priest who is married to his wife, Elizabeth, And her line or her lineage went all the way back to Aaron. And we have this couple that God begins the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, by telling us about this couple, an amazing couple. The Bible tells us that this couple, verse number six, that they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Today, as we begin the message, I want to say if we are going to be what God wants us to be, mother, if you're going to be the world's greatest mother, uh, father, if you're going to be the world's greatest father, if you're going to be the world's greatest Christian, if you're going to be the person that God wants you to be, I see number one in this passage that God is looking for people that are spiritual. Now, this should not be shocking. This should not be revolutionary. But God desires for his people to do what is right, as opposed to what is wrong, okay? Now, the world, the world knows nothing about that. The unsaved people know nothing about what is right and wrong. You want to know why? Because they don't have a standard, they, they don't have anything concrete. They don't have anything solid. They don't have a foundation. But as God's people, we have a foundation. Our foundation, we know what is right because if God said it, you can count on it. If somebody argues the Bible, somebody says, well, I don't believe that and I don't believe that and that's not true and all that. The book of Psalms says, let may, uh, God be true and every man a liar. I don't care how many degrees somebody's got behind their name. I don't care how much experience. I don't care how much money. I don't care how many followers that person has or how big the crowds are that they draw. If a person contradicts God, that person is a liar and God is true every time. And God has told us what is right. They were righteous, the Bible says, before God. Ooh, that's important. Sometimes we think as long as I look righteous in front of people, then I'm good. I can put a smile on my face and I can say the right things and do the right things, but I can have sin in my heart or I can have uh, uh, wicked thoughts in my mind or, or I can sneak around and I can do this and do that and nobody will ever know. I wanna tell you, you and I ought to be righteous, not just before man, but we ought to be righteous before God. We ought to be righteous from the heart. If it starts on the inside, it will come out. I'll promise you that. May I say this couple, they were spiritual in that they did that which was righteous before God. Notice verse six, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Now I like that word walking. I didn't say I like to walk. I probably should walk more. Some of you, I don't know how you do it. You tell me you have like 14 million steps in one. I know not that many, but it seems like that many to me. And you've got your Fitbit or you've got your smartwatch or whatever, and you're getting your steps in. I'm all for it. Nothing wrong with it. That's not what this is talking about. This is saying that what they believed in their heart, they lived out in their lives. And this world has heard enough talk. And this world has heard enough lectures and this world has heard enough Christians trying to tell somebody else what to do. What this world needs is to see a Christian. This world needs to see somebody that doesn't just talk it, but they walk it. They were walking in all. Oh, that's a big word. All. You know what we like to do? We like to pick and choose. We like to take, well, I don't do this. Uh, I I used this example in the early service. I'll use this example right now. Sometimes we like to say, well, you know, I don't smoke or I don't drink or I don't do drugs. And we like to really focus on those things we don't do. But I got news for you. Did you know those three did not even make the list of the things that God hates the most? The Bible says that God hates the most. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea seven are an abomination, a proud look. By the way, sometimes I think as Christians, we feel like because we don't do that, I'm not committing adultery. I'm not stealing. I'm not cheating. I'm not cursing. I'm not drinking. I'm not doing drugs. And by the way, I hope you're not doing those things. Not saying those things are right. They're not right. But where do we get off thinking that we're better than somebody else when we've got a heart that's full of pride? Or we've got a heart that is full of bitterness and anger? I want to tell you, if we're going to walk the Christian life, somebody's going to have to see a difference in you and a difference in me. And I'm not talking about holding your head up like you're better than anybody else. Friend, you ain't better than anybody and I ain't better than anybody. Well, the ground is level at the foot of the cross and God is no respecter of persons. And this couple, Zacharias and Elizabeth, they were walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord Blameless. That word blameless is a very powerful word. It has the idea of being holy and pure, but also it has the idea that it's not even believed. For instance, if somebody told me, or maybe somebody told you about pastor, that pastor did something or whatever. Now, there may be some things you might believe. Like if you heard that, you know, I was, I was hoarse, and I'm a little hoarse today. Uh, my voice, not like the animal, but I'm a little hoarse. Make sure we're all awake and follow me. (laughs) Or I got a frog in my throat. Maybe that's better. But, and if I said, well, you know, I've been yelling at our staff all week. Boy, I've been letting them have it. I would, and I use those jokes sometimes. Or I'll say, you know, yeah, I've been yelling at my wife and yelling at the kids. I hope you know I'm kidding. And if somebody ever came and said, we heard that past, I would hope you would say, He wasn't doing that, I would hope. Now, some of you are looking at me like, well, I don't know, we've been wondering about that. But here's what it means to be blameless. It means that even if somebody made the accusation, somebody would first say, that doesn't sound like that. Can I tell you, if somebody came in and said so-and-so was out uh, living in immorality or so-and-so was out and they were, uh, they were stealing or they were cheating or they were lying or they were cursing or they were taking the name of God in vain, I would hope that when someone heard that, their first thing would be, that doesn't sound like so-and-so. Because they've got a testimony that they love God and they want to please God. And, and by the way, it could happen to any one of us. I'm not saying but nobody's perfect. We all are sinners but I would hope that we'd have a testimony that people would say, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound like it's true. They were blameless. Number one, we see that they were spiritual in their lives. I want you to notice verse number five. The Bible says, there was in the days of Herod, ooh. You see, they were not spiritual in good days. They were spiritual in some bad days. They were spiritual in some very difficult days because there was a wicked king that was in control. And you and I, sometimes I think we say, well, it'd be a lot easier to be spiritual if it was popular. It'd be a lot easier to be spiritual if my work environment was different or if this were different or if this were different or you don't know my background or you don't know my... Hey, I don't need to know all that. But I know this, that every one of us will stand before God and we'll give an account for ourselves. Where We can't blame everybody else. We've got to be spiritual. We've got to walk in the commandments of the Lord and do what's right before Him. I like the fact that here we have a priest and we have a, a, a wife who was the daughter of a priest. And you know what they said? They said, hey, we're going to do what's right, not just because mommy and daddy did it. Not just because it's my job. Not just because it's my position. But we're going to be righteous before God because we believe in it. My prayer for our young people is that we won't just have young people that just do what's right just because mommy and daddy said so. But my prayer is that we'll have young people that will grow up and say, hey, I'm doing what's right, not because of a relationship with mom and dad, but I'm doing what's right because I have a relationship with Christ. It's real in my own life. And these folks, Zachariah and Elizabeth, number one, they were spiritual. Number two, I see in verse number seven, that they were struggling. Did you know that Christians have struggles Did you know that people that God is using, people that are serving God, they still have struggles? Verse 7, and they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they were both now well stricken in years. That word stricken, it means advanced. That's a very diplomatic way of saying that somebody is old. So if you ever, you know, are trying to think of a word to describe somebody, you don't want to say, boy, they're old. Just say, "They're, they're stricken. They're advanced in years. As a matter of fact, you got to see this, verse number 18. Fellas, this would be good advice for us to follow. Zacharias is having a conversation with the angel of the Lord in verse 18. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man. Fellas, you can say you're an old man all you want to. Nothing wrong with that. You have that right. But notice what he says about his wife. And my wife... Well stricken in years. That's that's the key to a long and happy marriage right there, right? Just saying saying the right thing the right way. But we see that there was a struggle. You say, what was their struggle? The struggle was that they couldn't have a baby. Elizabeth was barren. As a matter of fact, in Bible times, this was often viewed as if maybe there was something wrong with them. Maybe there was some sin in their life. Can you imagine for Zacharias and Elizabeth, here's the priest and the wife of the priest, and and maybe people are like, well, I wonder what their their problem is. I wonder what they've been doing. They were struggling. They wanted a child. They wanted a son. And then it says that they were old, that the time was past. They were out of time. There was no way this was going to happen. They were struggling. I'll tell you this, they were struggling. But I thank the Lord they were still serving. And you may be here today and you may be struggling. As a matter of fact, you are struggling. Every one of us in this room, we are struggling with something, no doubt about it. But that doesn't mean we stop serving God. That doesn't mean we stop living for God. As a matter of fact, I would say that when you're struggling, that's the time to serve God more. That's the time to walk with God more. That's the time to read the Bible more. The time to pray more. Stay true to God. Don't give up on God when you're struggling. Verse number 20, the Bible says the angel said to uh, Zacharias, Behold, thou shalt be dumb and not be able to speak until the days that these, these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words. Zacharias, the priest, he didn't even believe what the angel of the Lord had told him. He had some struggles. He had some doubts. And maybe you're here today and you've got some doubts and you've got some struggles Can I tell you, that's not new. That is not out of the ordinary. That happens. We all have struggles. Then notice number three. I see that they were spiritual. They were struggling. But number three, they were seeking God. It says in verse number 13, the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Aren't you glad that God still hears prayer? Aren't you glad that God still answers prayer? I'm glad they didn't stop seeking. They didn't stop praying. They didn't stop asking and knocking. They kept on seeking God. And friend, if you're here today and you've got a burden, you've got a struggle, you've got a heartache, don't stop seeking God. Don't give up on God. Notice verse number 37. This is a statement that is made concerning Elizabeth who was barren but also concerning Mary, who would be uh, the, the, the mother of the Christ, verse 37, the Bible says, "'For with God nothing shall be impossible.'" Would you read that verse with me aloud? Verse 37, Luke chapter 1, ready? "'For with God nothing shall be impossible.'" Now, you may not have a Bible in front of you, but we've said it twice. I think you can say it along. Let's all say it together. Ready? For with God, nothing shall be impossible. That was not original with me. That was not original with a preacher. That was not original with a motivational speaker. That was not from a self-help book that I found somewhere on some shelf. That's what God has to say. No matter what you're facing, there is nothing that is impossible with God. Can I tell you, keep on seeking because God is able to do the impossible. I want you to notice number four quickly. The world's greatest mother, or you could say the goal of every mother, number one, to be spiritual. Number two, even though you're struggling, you keep on serving. Number three, seeking God, praying, calling out to God. Number four, I see that Elizabeth was spirit-filled. Notice verse number 15. The Bible says, For he that is John the Baptist shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. That's interesting. Now, that's John the Baptist. I want you to notice what it says in verse number Uh, 41. When Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. So here we got the baby, John the Baptist who was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. We've got Elizabeth now who is filled with the Holy Ghost. But then notice verse 67. And his father, Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost. That's a great family Dynamic, right there. To have a mama and a daddy and a child and everybody's filled with the Holy Ghost. Everybody's yielded to the Holy Spirit. Everybody is, is, is under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. I tell you what, that'd save a whole lot of family fights. Save a whole lot of family feuds if people would just get spirit filled. They were spirit filled. But notice with me, go back to verse 41. I, I, I cannot overlook this. I cannot skip this part especially on this day. It says in verse 41, it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her arms. Is that what it says? It says the babe leaped in the baby carrier. Is that what it says? It says the babe leaped in her womb. Now this is not a trick question. And I did not ask you to come to church on Sunday morning to insult your intelligence. This is a, a, a question that I want to make sure we're on the same page. If the babe is still in the womb, does that mean that the baby has already been born or the baby has not yet been born? Not yet been born, right? The baby's still in the womb, not yet born. Notice verse number 44. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. You see, you've got a baby that's still in the mother's womb who is jumping for joy because of the announcement that the Christ child, Jesus, is coming from Mary. And can I tell you, God calls that baby God refers to not the the fetus or or not the clump of cells or whatever but God refers to that child as a babe as a baby while the baby is in the womb now David in the book of Psalms said this Psalm 139 if you want to turn over there I want you to see it this is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And David, in case you were wondering, David didn't have the um, a benefit of ultrasounds. David did not have the benefit of medical advancements like what we have. As a matter of fact, David didn't know what we know, that the human body contains over 30 trillion cells. And those cells are then broken up into even smaller pieces. David had no idea about any of that. You know what David knew? He knew Genesis 1, that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. If God could form man of the dust of the ground, I think God's uh, big enough to take care of how he's going to form a baby in the womb, right? I think God is a pretty good designer. I think God is pretty incredible, and I think he's pretty powerful. But David said this in Psalm 139, verse 13, Thou hast possessed me, my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Verse 14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance, that that word substance is my frame or, or my bones. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought. That that term curiously wrought, it means to be skillfully made. When I was curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, Bible times, and in this era, the lowest parts of the earth, they would refer to that as a place where man had never been or man had never seen. And David is saying, I've never seen that baby in the mother's womb, but I know that God has made that baby in the mother's womb. And David said, I couldn't do that, and you couldn't do that, but he can. And his works are wonderful. His works are marvelous. He has done it skillfully. He has done it with perfection. Notice verse 16. Thine eyes did see my substance, there it is again, my bones, my frame, yet being unperfect, meaning even before everything was complete, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned. They continued to grow and continue to develop when as yet there was none of them. David says, I know, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, David says, I know in your book, you had all my members written down before I was ever born. He said, God, you, you, you saw my ears before I was ever born. When I was in my mother's womb, you saw my nose. You saw my eyes, you saw my skull, you saw my brain, you saw my heart, you saw my lungs, you saw my legs and my hands and my feet and my toes and God, you saw it all and you had it recorded in your book. That's what God has to say about a baby in the mother's womb in case you're wondering, in case you're listening to news and in case you're hearing... Uh, pastors and, and, and preachers even today uh, uh, saying that uh, uh, abortion is, is a wonderful thing and it's a great thing and we have no business as a church to even talk about it. I got news for you. As long as it's in this book right here, you're going to hear this old preacher talk about it because the baby in the womb was important to God. He took note of it. And can I tell you if God thinks it's important, I think we ought to think it's important as well. Elizabeth was spirit filled. John the Baptist was spirit filled. Zacharias was spirit filled. But then, number five, I see that Elizabeth was still. Verse 24, the Bible says that after she conceived, she hid herself five months. You know what that means? By the way, some of you are thinking, I'd like to hide for five months. I'd like to get away from people and I'd like to get away from work and I'd like to get away from all the noise and all the craziness. And I know you can't because you got to go to work tomorrow. I understand that. But you know what you can do? You can get away from the world and you can get alone with God. And that's what Elizabeth did. Notice with me, if you would, in Luke uh, chapter 1. The Bible says that she hid herself five months, verse 24, and said, thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. She said, I gotta take some time and I just gotta praise God for what he's done. He's done a miracle in my life. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, be still and know that he is God. As Christians, we've gotta be still. We've gotta be silent. There's times where we just have to let God do what he wants to do and not get all wrapped up, and not get all worked up with all the stuff that's going around. you know you can trust God? Now, we like to be active, right? We like to do something. We like to take matters into our own hands. But Elizabeth was still. I'm thankful for the peace of God that passes all understanding. Number six, her story. It tells us in verse 36 that she was called barren. That was her story before. But that's not the end of the story. Verse 58, now, her neighbors and her cousins, they heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her. You know, that ought to be our story, that we just tell everybody about the great mercy of God in our lives. People ought to be hearing about what God's done in us. And by the way, it shouldn't be just one time and then we we stop talking about it. It ought to be all the time that people are hearing about God's goodness and God's mercy in our lives. Number seven, Elizabeth was supportive. The Bible says in verse number six, and I won't get into all this passage here. I probably should have taken the time, but the angel told Zacharias that the child's name would be John. The baby was born and Zacharias couldn't talk for nine months because he doubted. Uh, Fellas, don't take that as a reason why you're not going to talk to your wives and say, well, Zacharias didn't talk to her for nine months, so I'm not going to say, no, no, that's not a good thing, okay? But they came to Zacharias, and he wrote down on a tablet, his name shall be John. And you know what Elizabeth said? She spoke up, and she said, his name is John. You know what she was doing? She was supporting her husband, who was following the Lord. And wouldn't that be great if we had some homes that would just get on the same page and say, hey, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to go the way of the Lord. She was supportive. And then lastly, she had a son. His name was John the Baptist. What did John the Baptist do? Wherever Jesus went, he just pointed people to Jesus. Hey, I don't have the answers, but he does. Hey, I don't know about that, but he knows. Hey, I can't give you eternal life, but Jesus can. And you know, wouldn't that be a success for all of us as parents? Wouldn't that be a success for all of us if our children would receive Christ? John the Baptist received Christ. He said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Wouldn't it be great if we would teach and train our children to point people to Jesus? I want to say this. Elizabeth had a son. His name was John the Baptist. And here's why he came, verse 77, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people. By the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the dayspring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. If you're here this morning and you've never been saved, I want to tell you, Jesus Christ is the answer. He is the only way that you can have remission of sins. He's the only way that you can be removed from darkness into light. He's the only way that you can be passed from death unto life. Jesus Christ is the way. Maybe today you might want to get burdened for your children that don't know Christ. Maybe you want to get burdened for some family members that don't know Christ. Maybe today you want to say, I'm burdened for myself because although I do know Christ, I've not been pointing people to Jesus like I should be. How to be the world's greatest mother, how to be the world's greatest father, how, maybe the goal of every parent we could say would be to follow this example in Luke 1. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernak. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.